Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to our live last show for 2010. We have, it's been a great ride, truly. Great year. We started in the summer of this year, and I am proud to say that as of now, we have had over 6,000 listens, and that's including live listens as well as our archive listens. So thank you. Thank you very much. Apparently, we have information that people want to hear, and I, of course, just getting started this year, but next year I plan to kick it into overdrive. I plan to talk about issues that matters most to your wallet, not to you, to your wallet and to your family. So definitely thank you for showing the support. Thank you for allowing us to come into your homes via smartphones, via computers on this, on Saturdays at 2 o'clock, and we plan to continue. Next year we have quite a few changes coming up. We're going to talk about them at the end of the show. But, of course, definitely want to make sure I get you in and plugged in on this last live show for 2010. And, of course, we're always talking about things that matter to you most. And one of the things that we're looking at right now is this is the third part of a series that we were doing for its uh, tax preparation. Well, now this is the final show, and it's on financial planning. So this week, I'll tell you, I have been bombarded. One of the ways that I, I get my guests is I'm subscribed to different venues on the web where I can put in a request for what I want. And I will get a lot of feedback or get feedback of people who may be interested in talking on that topic. Now, my guests can come from anywhere. They can come from anywhere anywhere in the U.S. So any of the 50 states and the district, we can have guests. And believe me, over the last two weeks, the last two parts that we did, we were bombarded with, guests of individuals who want to talk to you about tax planning, tax preparation, financial planning. And these are very knowledgeable people. They're not just run of the mill. These are people who are skilled in their craft, who who have been doing what they've been doing for a number of years, and they want to come on and share their expertise with you. And of course, it's always free because you can always download our our archive listens through iTunes, and what I've done is we've created, it's it's a thing on the web, it's called Bitly, it's B-I-T dot L-Y, and what you can do is you can use that to shorten the URL, because, come on, let's face it, legallysteal.blogspot.com, that's a lot of typing, but you can type in Bitly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash L-S-S blog, as Legally Steal Show blog. And you can go straight to the blog. And the same thing with iTunes. Bitly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash L-S-S iTunes. And just everything will be L-S-S and you can just add iTunes, blog, radio, web. So these are things that we're doing to make it easier for you to get to us and get to the information. And, of course, if you can't listen to us live, always pull it up on uh, archive or definitely go to iTunes because I want to make sure you get the information. I also want to thank you for your feedback that you've been sending through our email as well as through chats. 
while the show is live and getting us the information that you want to know about and asking the questions that you need answers to. Well, enough of that. I'm going to go. I uh, One of the things that I put out this week, I, I simply asked one question, and that question was, are you financially prepared for 2011? Now, that's a very thought-provoking question, and I'm going to talk about some things that just went on in the in the uh, in the U.S. this week, with the president signing the new tax bill, uh, extending the Bush era tax cuts. We'll talk about that in just a second. But this question of are you financially prepared for 2011? These are things that that we're going to talk about later on with our special guest, who's a certified financial planner, and her name is Alana. Unspotch. She should be calling in about 15 past, and we're going to talk to her, and we're going to put some really great questions to her. She's very exciting, uh, very knowledgeable in what she does, and she's here to give you quite a bit of information to get you prepared if you're not prepared. And in, in asking that question, I want you to evaluate. Look at some of the things that you did in 2010. Now, this has been a rough year. It really has. Financially, it's been a rough year, and a lot of people lost their jobs. Uh, some acquired jobs, and I hear it from both sides of the fence. I have a very good friend of mine I talked to day before yesterday, and she can get a job just by opening her mouth. It's just that easy for her, where some others who are very knowledgeable, very skilled, can't find a job if you put it right in front of them. And that's not to say something about the person. That's to say that either they're not apt for the, the job market or the job market is just not available to them and the skill sets that they have. But it's been an interesting year, and I myself, I'm glad that this year came about because it brought me to you through the Legally Steal show. It brought me into fruition of writing a book and working on another book. I'm also getting ready to start on There are a lot of things that this year did for me, and I'm looking forward, listen, looking forward to 2011. I plan on having an explosive year, bringing you explosive information you can use, and taking this thing nationwide. I plan on being on the speaker circuit all over the country. So who knows, I may be in a town near you, and if I am, I'll definitely let you know before I get there. So back to are you financially prepared for 2011? One of the things I want you to consider is, did you make a budget for 2010? And if you did make a budget, did you stick to it? Were you able to stick to it? Did some event come up that actually altered your budget? And better question, have you created a budget for 2011? These are very powerful things. Years ago when I used to do some business consulting, I actually would sit down with my client and we would do budgets. We'd write out our budgets, or write out. I would write their budget for them. And I tell you, you do not know how much money you blow or how much money you spend unnecessarily until you create a budget for yourself. I've actually had clients sit in my office with tears in their eyes because they could not believe that they had spent that much money during the month on pretty much nothing. And when I say nothing, I say things like those uh, eating out, or going by Starbucks in the morning, stopping by, stopping by McDonald's or Burger King's on the way to work, grabbing some lunch. 
when you go to looking at these things and you're talking about four to five dollars for a cup at Starbucks for a nice latte, or stopping to get you a lunch at you know one of these little um, restaurants, by the end of the week you spent hundred hundred and twenty dollars. Well, you add that up, and over a month, that's almost five hundred dollars that came out of your take-home income, not your pre-tax income, take-home income. So when you go to looking at how much money you're blowing in your budget versus how much money you're saving, it's a big disparity. And one of the things that we want to touch up on for for this show is talk about ways to put money aside. What are you doing with your money? If you're not putting beside, you know, putting up 10 to 25% of your take-home pay, then you're not preparing for a rainy day fund. And I shouldn't have to tell you about rainy day funds because uh, this year brought about quite a few people depleting their rainy day funds. And, you know, it started in 2009 or 2008, but it pretty much culminated this year where if you didn't have stuff put aside or if you did have something put aside, you pretty much drained it in trying to survive, trying to live. So these are things that I want you to be aware of, and it doesn't take a lot. Most computers that you buy now, if you look into, most of them come with standard Microsoft Work. Microsoft Works on it, and that's your your PCs, not your Macs. But most of them will come with some type of program on it that will have a template for budgeting. If you open that up, you can simply put in all of your household expenses, your income, and you can see where your money is going. This is something you can do in the privacy of your home so you don't have to sit in an office like mine and actually have tears in your eyes in front of a stranger. So these are things that you can do at home, and it'll be, believe me, it'll be beneficial to you. Um, but definitely you want to put something in place like that and see where your money is going. If you're looking at retirement, well, that's something Alona is going to talk to you about. The different things that uh, you can use different tools that you can use to actually make make your money start working for you now. Um, so when you get older, you'll know. Because I can just you know fathom a guess that the average person is not really educated when it comes to investing. And as as you know, I'm a learned person, but I had to take some time to actually get myself in that mindset to learn about investing, because this is not something that's you know taught in your in in general knowledge so you have to go to an expert to learn so these are things that you want to become abreast of now on the new tax signing or the new bill the new law now that the president signed into law on yesterday the bush era tax cuts will be extended for another two years and that's extended to everybody now what exactly does that mean will that put more money into your paycheck no it's going to keep the money there that you're already receiving for the next two years. Because had those tax cuts expired, your your money or your income would be lowered because your tax bracket would be higher. Now, another important facet of the new law is it's going to, your payroll taxes are going to be cut by two percentage points for the year now that's going to be an increase in your income. So it's going to be down by 2%, which will give you more money, more take-home money in your paycheck. So that's a plus. It also uh, restored the estate the estate tax at a lower level and you know several other benefits and tax breaks that you're going to get. 
So you won't see your paycheck changing for the bad. It will be changing for the good um, starting in January, January 1st. Also, it extended unemployment benefits for 13 months. So those individuals who were get it for the next 13 months. Now, of course, there are some pundits out there talking, and I want to remind you, we don't talk politics, we talk issues on the Legally Steel show. But there are some pundits out there talking about people being lazy because they're being subsidized by the government, by government stimulus through unemployment. Well, unemployment is something that you work for. You paid into the program when you worked. If you didn't know it, you're entitled to it uh, under certain conditions. So when there are no jobs, then you have to do something to survive. And by them extending the unemployment benefits, that's a good thing for your pocket, especially right before Christmas. People are thinking about, you know, food, and I stress food and not necessarily gifts and toys. Uh, those are things that cost you a lot of money, and they're empty. You get nothing out of it but a smiling face. Now, some people will say a smiling face is, you know, worth more than anything. But when your light bill comes the next week and you can't pay it because you spent all of your money at Walmart, now, don't get me wrong, I want you to spend money. It keeps the economy going, but I don't want you to spend all of your money on unnecessary things. Believe me, I have children, and just the... Just the fact that your children will have the love of their parents and hanging out with their parents is worth more than any toy that you could ever buy. But that's me. I'm just trying to tell you how to keep money in your pocket. Remember, I'm a consumer advocate. I'm talking about savings, not throwing money away. So these are things that they got it in line just in time for the end of the year or before the end of the year. So that's going to save you save you some money because it's going to, you know, keep those those cuts in place where you can see the benefit. Now, of course, there was a lot of wrangling going around in, in Congress, and there's some, you know, a few more things that they're still playing around with, but that's politics. That's the way they do it. What matters most to us is they're not going to go up, at least for the next two years. And, of course, it'll come around again around um, the election time. Because that's the way that's the way politics works. So these are things that you want to make yourself abreast of, and I don't know if you call your congressman and complain or say it's something, but apparently it went down pretty much even across the board, uh, excuse me, between Republicans and Democrats to make that thing happen for you. So that was a good thing. So so on, so good for that, and don't spend all your money. Remember, put things aside. Um, Now, back to the you being financially prepared for 2011. That's one of the things that you can take a little stress off your mind and you can include that in your budget um, because that's going to include more income coming to you for you not spending out with those tax cuts in place. If they had expired, then you would be deducting a lot of money out of your paycheck trying to make sure you can survive for the end of the year. Um, one of the things that I'm going to do turn the first of the years, I'm going to have a guest on, and we're going to talk about something that is really, really simple that most of us do not understand, and it's something that we deal with on a daily basis or once we go to our human resources department, but it's the your W-4 or your W-2. We're going to talk about how to fill that out so you can maximize your benefits. Uh, we should have our guest on the line. Um, let's see if she's there. I am. Hello? 
Hello. How are you doing? I'm terrific, and how are you? Uh, Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Talking and just giving out a little advice, I have prepared them for you. And if you would, Alana, would you tell them a little bit about yourself and what you do, and then we will get this program rolling. Okay. Hi, my name is Alona Ansbach, and I'm a certified financial planner, and I've been doing this now for over 27 years. And in the past 12 years, I've uh, started concentrating in divorce planning for those lovely people who choose divorce over staying married. And um, I married a second time of just over a year, and I now not only have my three own kids, but two more. It's the Brady Bunch. I want some additions. <laughs> yeah, so that's okay. my story. Okay, well, and thank you for so having me today. What I, I, listen, it's a pleasure you coming on because it's you know it's like the week before Christmas and everybody is out spending money. So believe me, I'm thankful that you just decided to take the time out on a Saturday afternoon and call into the show and share some knowledge with us. So I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. <laughs> Well, listen, before we go into it, let's talk about that you specialize in divorce planning. Now, I saw something in the news probably uh, about three months ago where they were talking about a lot of people are just staying together right now because the economy is so bad, they want to get a divorce, but they can't afford it right now. Well, we're seeing that as well. Um, I'm out of Chicago here, and uh, basically there are two things going on. Number one, the fact that a lot of people can't sell their homes, they're choosing to stay together. So they might be living under the same roof, but they're really not kind of doing the marriage thing. And the other thing is it, it can be a little expensive to get divorced, and they don't think they have the cash right now, so they're staying put. <laughs> Okay, so you specialize in basically planning after or planning through the divorce and then after the divorce, correct? Correct. I work with the attorneys and the individuals to get through the divorce process and help them pull together the financial information and then help them come up with a really awesome marital settlement agreement, as awesome as one can be when you're getting divorced. Yeah, that's almost an oxymoron, but that's good. That's good. (laughs) Well, listen, um, I definitely, you know, alerted the audience that you are a certified financial planner, so you know what you're doing. One of the things that I looked at is I, I had a lot of CPAs send in information where they wanted to be on the show, but I didn't want I wasn't I wasn't so concentrated on the tax side because we had already done those shows. I wanted to talk about being prepared for a number of things, but definitely for 2011. And I posed the question this week, are you financially prepared for 2011? So going into that, what are some of the things that individuals need to know to get themselves prepared if they're not? Well, let's start with how people spend money. Most of the time we call it a budget. Everybody hates that word because it seems so onerous. Um, it's really oh, just how that's how you spend your money. And um, I always think it's a good idea to um, sit down, and if you're married, sit down with your spouse, maybe over a glass mm-hmm. of wine or something, and uh, start charting out, listing out how you spend your money. For You know, we're coming to the close of 2010. It's perfect 
to look back at 2010 and say, what did we spend money on groceries or um, gas, cell phones? Or Starbucks. <laughs> oh, that's that's a, a sore point. I, I, I'm not giving up my Starbucks, honey. Um, wait, wait, but, you know, that's, wait that's a lot part of it. One of the things that I, I put out is um, years ago I used to sit down, I used to do some business consulting um, for new startups, and we would talk over budgets. And I actually had people that would sit in my office with tears in their eyes when I pointed out the way that they blew money because they could not believe that they were spending five to $700, even $1,000 a month on empty calories, if you will, and nothing. So <laughs> so I understand, because believe me, I'm an avid lover of coffee, and I love me some Starbucks. It's just that I want people to know that when you buy it, be prepared for it. Well, I actually, um, the, as I said before, you got to get down on a piece of paper how you're spending your money. And one of the things I do right. with my clients, especially a husband and wife, is that I do get that kind of reaction, like, honey, you're spending way too much on Starbucks. And the husband will come back and say, well, honey, you're spending way too much on shoes. So part Ouch. of my role, that's right, is can we fit each of those things into the budget? Do we need to cut okay. somewhere else? And that right. kind of gives us that marital bliss where it's not the finger pointing or okay. you know, you're not, stuff like that. You're not necessarily look. You're not necessarily trying to put them in divorce, but if it has, if it, if it leads to divorce, you can help them there as well. I can, and every colleague I have that I work with in Chicago, whether a divorce attorney mm -hmm. or a mental health specialist, we're all working to keep the couple together. Whatever possible, exactly. that's what we want to do. And mm -hmm. there have been several cases where we've been successful. And that's good. always good. a real good feeling to try and keep people together. I'm sure. Listen, I... Um, one of the questions that I pose on the blog is, did you stick to your budget in 2010? And if you didn't, why not? Were there things that came up that may have blown your budget out of proportion that you didn't prepare for? Say, for instance, the engine on your car went out. You didn't have a rainy day fund together, so it could have blown your budget. Is that something that you can elaborate on just a, just a, just a little bit? Well, let's start with anyone who said they stayed in budget is probably a liar um, because a budget is simply that. It's the target, and from time to time, and it's an average. So if you say you're going to spend 200 a week on groceries, there might be a week you spent 150 and there might be a week, especially around Christmas and the other holidays, where you spent 250 or 300 So mm -hmm. the the point of a budget is to really stay as close as you can, not to drive yourself crazy, um, and to be realistic. So, okay. Okay. you know, it's it's just a point to shoot for and to make sure that every time you go out and make a purchase, you're being conscious about what you're spending on. And it's right. whether do you need it, is it good value? So it's more the questions mm -hmm. and being really aware than necessarily did you actually stay to the penny, 
no one stays to the penny. <laughs> okay, good, good. So that's a relief. I understand that I don't necessarily have to stay to the penny, but I play around my target, and yes. that kind of keeps me in line. And the closer good. you can be at your target, the better off you'll be mm-hmm. because you'll have, we hope, money, and that's what we strive for, to put away for savings and investments, as you called well, it, the rainy day said- front. Now that you said savings and investments, what's a good target number to throw into that budget to shoot for um, as far as putting aside those post-tax dollars? The more, the better. I know that wasn't the answer you were looking for. Um, It's um, Unfortunately, that's the way it goes because we're not all the same. We don't all have the same income and expenses. Um, especially, for example, you have kids in college, let's say. Mm-hmm. Wow, those are tough no, years. No, I do not. No, I do not. Let's say I do. <laughs> okay. But if you would have kids in college, you know how expensive it can be. And that you know makes it more yes. difficult than people who are, let's say, retired and their expenses have gone down. And they might still be able to save money here and there. You know, uh, Social Security, they get a pension and things like that. But, you know, if we could save uh, 5 to 10%, that would be great. That would really, okay. it's okay. a lot more than what we're doing now as a country. True, true, I agree. <laughs> yeah, and we you just, know what? I just talked about the, go ahead. I, I just want to say that here you have an, an advisor on the phone. I would recommend that people your listening audience, work with a certified financial planner and have that person help them customize a plan for them, whether they can put 10% away or 20%. Maybe, you know, I'm a 25-year-old and I'm living at home with my folks and I've got a good job. They probably could put away more like 20%. So by working with a, a professional that person is there to advise you what you specifically can do. So I thought I'd just well, you know, put a plug things, in for that. No, I'm glad you did because that's one of the things that I put out before you came on the show, uh, the fact of the average person does not know about financial tools and the way to, you know, the ways to save, the ways to invest. And if you're walking around and you know, and, and, and I'm using the word in, in, in the right aspect as far as being ignorant to investing. You can put yourself in a world of hurt because let me tell you, your years will come up on you fast. You may be 20 now, but before you know it, you'll be 30, and, and then, then 40, some. and once you're 40, <laughs> you know exactly, and then some, and then you're looking and saying, "Hey, I only have 20 years left that I'm planning on working." And if you don't have anything set aside, you are putting yourself behind the power curve. So definitely go out and seek professional advice. And that's that's why on this show I want to bring you specialists who specialize in things that matter to your wallet, things that's going to help you out at the end of the day. So, you know, that's really great. I'm, I'm glad you plugged that. Well, financial... So the financial thing is almost like a diet. It has so many um, comparisons, okay? Right. And we all know, as a country especially, about mm-hmm. good health 
and fitness and what's a, a not an ideal weight, but a good weight. How many of us, mm-hmm. especially as we're coming towards the holiday, totally ignore that and go, oh, you know, in two weeks after New Year's, I'll really get serious. Well, it's the same with your finances. It's easy right. to say in two weeks or two months or in two years I'll get serious. And then you're right. You're 30, you're 40, you're 50, and now you get to start to look back and go, boy, I should have. So I invite all your listeners for 2011 to engage in this process of seeing where are you today with your finances, where do you want to go. And a really good financial planner is going to sit you down in his or her office and go, tell me what you want to accomplish. Be big. Have big thoughts. You know, you want to own a yacht in 20 years. That's great. You know, and Mm -hmm. then Mm -hmm. work towards it. So if you don't know what you're working towards, it's kind of hard to come up with, how much should I be saving? What should I be saving for? And it's just a great process. Um, And it's a process, it's a journey, more than a process, if you will. You're going to do it the rest of your life. That's a very, very good point because I'm thinking here as you're talking, and when you made the analogy of it's like a diet, the biggest problem that people have with diets is discipline. And if you don't have the discipline, you're going to have problems with with your savings. So with that being said, what do you suggest for, say, something like an automatic savings? Because if I don't have the discipline to put money aside, chances are I'm not going to do it. What do you think about that? I think you have to kind of uh, look at your checkbook and see what do you have at the end of every month. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. For those of you who have money at the end of the month, that's a good place to start saving. You know, if you've got $50 left in your checkbook at the end of the month, put it away in a savings account. Um, that, That would work. If you don't have anything left over, then you have to start with the whole budget thing for sure and say, okay, what could I put away? Um, I bet everyone could put away, or most everyone, could put $5 away a week in an envelope in your sock drawer. You know, it's, right. it always makes sense to start where you're comfortable and get some muscle memory built here and then keep increasing it. So if you start at 5, in 3 months you go to 10. Then in 3 months you go to $15 a week that you're putting away. And eventually, you'll have enough money that you're ready to really start with investments. So you don't have to be Rockefeller or Kennedy to be thinking about saving. Everyone can start small. Well, I guess the thing that I'm looking at is the discipline to actually do it. I know one of Wachovia, who's now owned by uh, Wells Fargo, what they do is is some type of automatic savings that will come out, take a dollar out of your checking account and put it into your put it into your savings account automatically. So you're saving money regardless of what you're doing or what you're thinking about. I I'm sure at the company you work with AXA that you guys have some type of tools or products that will pick it automatically or out of your checking account. Is that something that you deal with? 
Yeah, we deal with that all the time. And we find that that's one of the easiest ways for people to actually get disciplined about savings because they're not even thinking about it. It's just happening right. automatically. And that's the best, really the best. And I really am glad you brought that up. For people who've never saved anything, that's a great way to go. Or, again, some people feel more comfortable taking a few bucks out of their wallets and putting it into an envelope and putting away in a drawer and, you know, doing that routine. Right. Um, that's much more old-fashioned. And the beauty of the Internet right. now is that you most banks allow you to move money between a savings and a checking account, which is basically what we're talking about with the whole Wells Fargo thing. Um, Absolutely. And it really works well. People just don't even miss the money. And they're amazed at the end of the year. They go, wow, I saved 500. I saved 2,000. Those are big numbers. They really are. They really are. That's one of the things that I am... I'm a big advocate of credit unions, a lot of background in credit unions. And I tell people, you know, a lot of the, for instance, in Tampa, Tampa has more credit unions per capita than any city in a. There's a lot of money here in Tampa, and the credit unions know it. There are five, actually four, four over a billion-dollar credit unions right here in Tampa. Really? And one of the things that I, yes, really, um, one of the things that I that I stress to people is um, if you had an account like that and you put money aside, say, at the beginning of the year, uh, when I was a kid, I used to hear something called a Christmas club, where you save a little 5 or $10 a month or a week, and by the end of the year, you'd have four or $500 that you could go out, money that was earmarked just for Christmas shopping or whatever you were doing with it, and it didn't break your bank. You didn't overextend yourself. I don't hear people talking about little stuff like that anymore. But that's to me, that's like grassroots basic uh, to get a person in line and starting them to invest and, and start saving money to put aside. Because once they save that money, now it's time to make that money work for them. And that's where you come in place. Yeah, the the beauty of an advisor, a good advisor, is that they're in touch with their clients and they're bringing up those topics and they're saying, so what have you been doing and how is this program that we set up working? And it allows for people to constantly revisit it and to make improvements. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of us, when we're left to our own devices, life gets in the way and we're back to this whole concept of discipline and procrastination if you will which is the uh other side of discipline <laughs> and it's just really uh where these institutions whether it is a a bank that you go into or you have a broker or you have an advisor will help you keep on track and that's yes. many of us can't do it on our own We'd like to think we can, and we have great intentions, but something, life just gets in the way. Absolutely, every time. That's right. Life. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, um, I was looking at, at a situation where, say you have, I'll tell you this, the show started, I started this show because I was in the car business, been in the car business for years, owned, I owned a dealership, new financing inside out, and then I wrote a book, How to Legally Steal Your Next Vehicle and Save Thousands. 
Well, one of the things that I've always talked about is a car being a depreciable necessary asset. A depreciable asset, but it's necessary. When your clients speak to you about purchasing a vehicle, because some people tell me, you know, hey, I will refinance my house and just pay for the car cash, and I have some issues with that. I will drain my bank account and just go ahead and pay for it because I don't want a note. Well, I have some issues with that. Can you can you talk a little bit about when a customer comes to you or one of your clients says, you know, well, Alana, I want to purchase a vehicle. Well, I always start with what vehicle do you want to buy? Is it going to be a Hyundai, whatever it is, or is it going to be Mm -hmm. a Lexus? Is it going to be a Porsche? Uh, That is a good place to start because then we have uh, an idea of what the price tag is going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's a question of, well, when do you plan to buy it? Is it imminent? Um, my car is about to break down, and i got to run to the dealership and sign on the dotted line this week. Um, if they right. have time, let's say 12 to 18 months out, we look at the cost of the vehicle, and then we set up a savings plan. If the car is going to cost $30,000, we are going to try and put away two to $3,000 a month. Save toward that vehicle. That's kind of your Christmas club idea, but on a super-duper scale. (laughs) And you know what? It it works pretty well. If the clients end up, at the end of that time period, not having the full amount, now they're financing $5,000 instead of thirty. dollars So that's why my clients, all my clients know They're supposed to call me way before they make the decision, not the day after and go, did I do a good job? Because then we can strategize. How are we going to get there? Are you going to have to finance it? Can you borrow money from mom and dad? Are they giving you a gift towards it? This is all part of the discussion, and you'd be amazed how Disciplined people get about putting money away when they really want to buy something major like a car because they're all excited. They're going to be getting that car in 12 to 18 months. Wow. You know, I've done, I've been in this business a long time, and you're the first person that I actually heard to say, we set it up just like we do a Christmas club. You want that car. Let's look at it. 12 to 18 months out, and let's see what disposable income you have that you can put towards this car, and now you can walk in and truly pay for it or pay the majority of it and finance the least amount. That's actually, that's wonderful. And this is why, audience, this is why you need a certified financial planner, because they can get, because they're not just looking at short-term They're looking at long-term, your long-term goals, and they help you strategize your life for you, your financial life. So when you're ready to sit down at, if you have a target date of 55 and you're 35, they can guide you on that course. So when you sit down at 55, you have income coming in on a regular basis, and you're able to live the life you want to live. So this is, Alana, I I really do thank you for coming on and giving out 
the type of information that you're given because you never know what tidbits of information you can give out that a person will really need to hear. Well, thanks. And, you know, these strategies everybody can use. They're they're yeah. really from, uh, it could be a small purchase to a large purchase. It can be, I've got a lot of disposable income and to I don't have much. Uh, but when we think mm-hmm. back to uh, our parents or grandparents who lived through the Depression, that was a really bad, hard time. And what yeah. the majority of people got out of that bad situation was, we need to save. And most people of that generation have done a really fine job of saving, and that's because saving was the priority and spending was the second priority. And so they always put money away, and they didn't spend beyond their means. But then again, they didn't have credit cards. In those days, people (laughs) didn't have credit cards. They did the layaway. So, right, they didn't have the evil plastic. <laughs> and it has gotten people into a lot of trouble. Um, yes, yes. I sat with a couple who came to me with $124,000 of credit card debt. Are it, you serious? I am, and we tried to work out a budget, but we couldn't cut enough because the interests and penalties on those cards just kept mounting beyond what they could cut back. And they basically ended up with loan modification and then bankruptcy. So credit cards have a place. We just have to be really careful how we use them and to uh, just try and pay the balance off every month. Well, you know, one thing, uh, and I heard this in the news this week, of how credit cards, of course, the the whole tax changes and the um, the financial laws that were passed earlier in the year, well, one of the things that credit card companies are doing is, well, we can't raise the raise the interest on the amount you already have, but we can raise it on any future balances or purchases you may make. And that's easy. So I said, well, I don't purchase. I just don't make any more purchases on that card. Well, if you don't make purchases, we can now hit you with an inactivity fee. So, it, you know, they're getting you going and coming, and that's one of those things that I try to tell people with the show is if you don't need it, don't use it. I used to have a friend in college, and he would keep both of his, all three of his credit cards in his drawer. He never took them with him. I had another one who would freeze his credit cards because he didn't want to carry them around with him because he didn't have the discipline of not to buy. So what are some of the things that you talk to your clients <clears throat> talk to your clients about as far as credit cards are concerned? Well, I think that uh credit cards in our uh world are necessary from time to time, whether it's buying an airplane ticket um or um some other things. You know, we we do use credit cards and they do have a place. Um Mm-hmm. But interestingly, a few uh, years ago, uh, Kiplinger Money Magazine had an entire article on really the difference between being cash-based and being credit card-based. And they brought up some really good points. Number one, that when we walk around with cash and we go into, let's say, a grocery store, we know we've got $50 in our pocket. We're not going to spend 60 We're going to be much more careful 
about what we choose. Um, exactly. And, and I remember going into a uh, Costco where you could only use an American Express card or cash or check, mm-hmm. and I forgot my mm-hmm. Amex at home. And here I am, and I didn't have a checkbook with me. And here I am, I had $40 in my pocket, get to the cash register, and I go to the guy, oh, my God, I don't have my credit card with me. I only have $40. <laughs> And he rang up one thing at a time till I hit 40 and the rest had to go back. You know, totally wow. different than whipping out a credit card and go, yeah, just, just charge it. And you have 100 to $150 that you just bought. Absolutely. Uh, the other thing well, was that, that when we go, go ahead, in go uh, to, let's say, um, an appliance store and we have a credit card, we tend to go, oh, I'll take that one. I like it in white and that's perfect. When you walk in with cash, you start negotiating, and they're apt to negotiate with you. And instead of spending a thousand, maybe you spend seven fifty. So, exactly. um, being a little bit more of a cash-based consumer could make a lot of sense. And the only thing I would add around that is, don't go to the ATM and take twenty to forty dollars out every time you need cash. You take out a certain amount for the week, and, buddy, that's your amount. You don't get any more. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, so that shows a very uh, different discipline. And basically the article right. said credit cards are good. They have their place. Be careful. Be aware. And use cash a little bit more. Yes. Well, listen, on that note, let's talk about this for just a second. Um, credit cards again, and and college students. I have I have a child that has finished college, and I have one who's getting ready to start college. And just the other day, actually yesterday, as a matter of fact, I opened the mailbox, and here's a credit card offer from Discover Card to my 18 year old. What do you talk to your clients about? The I guess the right cards to get for their college students and the wrong ones? Wow. Um, I don't know that I've ever talked about the right one and the wrong one. Uh, that's an interesting okay. way to phrase it. Um, I happen to have some kids in college, and uh, I am checking in with them on a regular basis about what they're spending. Um, I think it's very important that parents have this conversation with them and to feel that if a child begins to, and they are a child, um, even Mm -hmm. though at the age of 18 they think they uh, know it all. um, I know. I know. uh, And we're dumb. uh, But, um, (laughs) you know, just to let them know that if they abuse the credit card, it's gone. Uh, many of us parents want to be good to our kids. I mean, we all do, but being good to the mm-hmm. kids is helping them understand that credit cards are powerful. They're a great um, benefit, but they really can get us into trouble, as I shared with you about the client who had 124000 in credit card debt. Um, so... You know, we talk about these things, and I think that a lot of parents have um, basically gotten their kids, instead of credit card, debit cards. That mm-hmm. when it hits zero, the account shuts down. 
good until deal. more money more money is put in there by the parent. Um, but right. these things do have to be monitored and having a conversation. Um, one of my kids has a credit card with me. She's my youngest, who's in college, and I'm watching mm-hmm. what she's spending. and And I go, uh, I'll go through the bill and I'll ask her, "What was this? What was that?" So she knows she can be frivolous only to a very small extent because I'm watching her and she appreciates it. She appreciates it because she knows that she's being disciplined. She's learning some really good life lessons and um, she's not disappointing me. None of our kids want to really disappoint us. Of course not. Of course not. And by being on top of it, uh, you know, listeners, those of you who are parents, this is where it starts. You want to change the economy for the next generation? Start it with this generation. Start telling your children. Now, I took my son to the side, and we talked about the stock market. We talked about how it worked. We talked about interest rates. Because, see, I didn't learn about credit card interest until I was a sophomore in college because I didn't, you know, never grew up with a credit card, didn't have any. And as soon as I got my commission into the U.S. Army, uh, I was a prime target for credit cards. And I was telling my son, I got a Sears card back at the day, way back in the day. Got a Sears card that had a $700 balance on it. And they were only telling me that my minimum payment was $10 a month. Well, by the time that I learned what credit cards were about and how the interest rate calculated on it, it would have taken me 21 years to pay off that $700 balance at $10 a month. So this is the thing that I want you to look at. Teach your children now. If you don't know, that's why there are professionals out there, like Alana, who can help you, guide you in the right direction. Listen, Alana, it's been great having you on the show. If you would... Put out your website and your and your email address where people can contact you. And, of course, I'm going to post it on our blog, um, all of your information, because this is great information that you're putting out. And I know that with your, with your job, there are only certain states that you can operate in. But I want people to get in contact with you. How do they, how do, they do that? Well, I have an email address of alona.onspach, A-L-O-N-A dot A-N-S. P-A-C-H at AXA, which is A-X-A hyphen advisors dot com. And, um, you know, send me an email and I'll be happy to um, respond to any questions. And, um, you know, on my uh, email, uh, part of my signature is my web address. It's a little complicated, so I think they might want to send an email and we can get it out to them. Um, and this has been a pleasure. I hope everyone has a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and that 2011 will just be phenomenal. Absolutely, and Happy Hanukkah to you. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Absolutely. Have Take a great care. Day. You too. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Well, audience, there you have it. Um, uh, she is a professional, and I really do thank her for coming on. She knows her stuff. Um, I have a comment from one of our chatters. Rob, you say you got one for your daughter when she was in college that had a $300 bat limit, and you just shredded the other ones that came in. That's actually a wise thing to do. I'm telling my son that, you know, 
the way you do the credit card is this. Um, you take it, and in order for you to keep it open, because, see, there's a whole, there's, a, there's another paradigm to it, and it's shifting the credit. If you do not use the card, then they're going to hit you with some type of limit or some type of fee where they're making you put money onto it. So what I tell them to do is this. If you're in college and you have a credit card, spend $30, $40 on it a month, but pay that balance at the end of the month, the entire balance. So I've heard people say, well, never use a credit card for dinner. No, use the credit card for dinner, but make sure you have the money set aside to pay that credit card at the end of the month. That way, you're not getting hit with an inactivity fee for not using the card, but you're also charging it and paying it off at the end of the month. Listen, we have to be smarter than the credit card companies because this is how they make their money. This is how they make their money, and you have to be on top of it to make sure that you're doing it right. So, Rob, I would only have one credit card for my child. That is it. You know, that way they're not they're not running around with two or three different credit cards in in their pocket. Question: Because most people, most colleges, do not have finance classes or financial classes to teach our children how these credit cards work. Parents, now it's totally different than it was 20 years ago when I was in college. The internet is out there. You can pull up all type of information of the best usage for a credit card to teach your children how credit cards work. Because back in just this year, in August, the credit card debt, credit card debt was almost as high as student loan debt. And now the student loan debt has now toppled credit card debt for college students. But the, the, the statistics showed that one in every three college students, one in every three college students had credit cards before they got to college. And once they got to college, they picked up a couple of more credit cards. That's easy money, and you think it's a $200 limit. Well, that $200 limit, if you don't do it right, it can ruin your credit. So these are very wise things that we need to take the time and instill in our children, and it's our responsibility. They may be 18 years old, but it's our responsibility to teach them in the direction they need to go. My mom didn't teach me. My mom didn't know. Well, I know, so I'm teaching my children, and I employ each and every one of the listeners to do likewise. Do not let your child walk out the door unprotected because in the end, you don't want to see your, see your child suffer. And if you do a co-signing with the child on that credit card, you're really going to make it even worse for yourself. Um, another thing, another uh, quote that I got is, you know, mailing list to the banks. That does not surprise me. It really doesn't. I can see the schools turning out uh, these lists to the banks because why? Well, a lot of students, if you can't, if you don't have some type of uh, educational saving plans in place to actually pay for college, schools are looking at the student because that's whose name is down there and going to school how are you going to pay your balance? Well, if you have a credit card, you can pay it that way. 
credit cards are good. They really are because the industry has changed so much that you can't rent a car nowadays. I think Enterprise is the only one, and they want blood from you if you rent a car from them without a credit card. You can do it with a debit card, but every other, all of the other major ones, you have to have a credit card. Um, if you walked into an airport and paid cash for a ticket, listen to me good, you walk into an airport today and you pay cash for a ticket, you will be set aside and be scanned through Homeland Security and TSA uh, ways you never could imagine. Why? Because people don't pay cash with credit cards, and if you pay cash, I mean for airplane tickets, if you pay cash, you look suspicious. So credit cards have their place. I know Apple at one time a couple of years back put back put out that it would not sell any of its products through cash anymore. They, you had to have a debit card or a credit card. Why? So they can track you. They can track your usage, see what you're doing, see what you're spending, your buying habits. So credit cards have their place, but we have to be wise as parents. And if you're 18 and you're listening to the show, hey, do the research. There's no reason with all the information that's out on the web that you should ever walk out with a credit card in your pocket and do not know how to use it. So these are things that I love. I love what we're doing, and we're about to run out of time, but I, want, I do want to say this. As we go into the new year, this is the last live show, and I'll probably do a rebroadcast on this show on New Year's Day. Christmas is, is next Saturday, so I know you would love to tune in to me, but you're going to be with your families. And be honest, I'm going to be with my family, so I won't be doing a live show. But we're going to rebroadcast this one because I think it's really, really, really important that you get this information together before 2011 starts. Start planning now. Get yourself together now. It doesn't take a lot of time. But put some things in place because if you're a Generation Xer, and that's like 32 to 45, um, you know, I'm going to be controversial on this. But I don't think Social Security is going to be around for me. So I have to make sure my stuff is together now. And seeking out professionals like Alana to help you out, that's, that's the key to getting yourself prepared for the future, for the next 10, 20, 30 years of making sure money is set aside for you so you can live without stress. Listen, Merry Christmas to you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Um, we love what's happening. We love where we're going, the direction that we're going. Our listenership is picking picking up, and I really do appreciate it. Continue. Continue to send me information that you want to know about. And believe me, I'll broach the subject because I love it anyway. I love bringing you issues that matter to your wallet. So as always... Enjoy your holidays. Enjoy the new year. Be safe. I want you back here in January so we can start on a new year and talking about the new issues. So always, this is SC signing off where we're giving you the knowledge and skills to legally steal your next purchase. Peace. Enjoy the rest of the year and enjoy your weekend. Bye.